Well, we are continuing on in our journey uh, of the series, the Multiply series, and uh, we said that 2015, our theme was going to be Multiply. And what we meant by that is that we want to focus on how can we multiply um, our impact in this community, ultimately also, or obviously also, we want to multiply how many people we reach and how many people attend and, and all those kind of things. But we believe that God wants more, that he's not finished, that he didn't come and now he's looking at 2015 and saying, okay, good, we reached a goal, we reached an amount, and God's saying, well done, everybody, you can just sit back now and do nothing. So this theme ultimately is from this focus of saying, we believe that God wants us now to be part of reaching this next generation. Just like the people before us, if it wasn't for them, we wouldn't have heard the gospel. We wouldn't have heard about Jesus. We wouldn't have heard the good news of Jesus. And so we now take on this command, this role, this, uh, this mandate of ours as, as believers of Jesus that we must now go and reach the next generation and those who come after us. We said last week in our Multiply series, we said last week that the church was commanded by Jesus, and we see that Jesus commanded all of us to love one another. And so a key takeaway from last week was that the most effective way for the people, for people to reach um, people for Jesus was with something as practical as loving one another. I think sometimes we've complicated it so much that we think that there's all this stuff that has to be done. There's all this, you know, programs and things like that. And sometimes it's something as practical. It's not simple. It's not easy. But something as practical as saying, you know what? I'm going to love. I'm going to exercise love. I'm going to give my love. And I'm going to, you know, care for the people that are in our, in our midst and in our community. We looked last week at what Peter described, because what we can easily do is we can look at this and say, loving each other is kind of what we're doing here today. And this is good. And yesterday, man, it was awesome. Three different churches, four or five maybe different churches gathered here, but our, our Ontario EMMC uh, churches gathering, and then some other churches came in and joined us. And you should have seen the unity and the love among the women and the way they interacted with each other. You could clearly tell that they cared, they appreciated, they celebrated together. So that's a great thing. That's a great thing. It's a beautiful thing. But it goes beyond these walls. And it goes beyond good circumstances. And it goes beyond those happy moments. Loving one another is to be what we are to be about always. So we looked at 1 Peter last week. And where he tells us, do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. And it was like, wow, that's hard enough. But then he says, on the contrary. Say, <laughs> like, whoa, there's even more coming. He says, on the contrary. You know, return, uh, when someone does evil to you, return it with blessing. And what an amazing thing for us to all of a sudden realize, you know what, this call to love one another may be the most practical thing, it may be the most obvious thing, but sometimes it's going to be an incredibly difficult thing for us to do. So today we're going to just kind of continue on from there because we looked at, last week was the local church and how important the local church is. But at the same time, we cannot lose sight of the global church. We want to focus today on 
What does this mean to multiply in the sense of the global church? Yes, we want to build up the local church. We want to strengthen the local church. We want to see more people attend the local church. But the local church can never become about itself. We can never be, become internal focused. Yes, we need to take care of the things in-house. Absolutely. But if the local church turns inward and just focuses it on, on itself, we have lost the mandate. And so I want us today to consider the global church. And so if you have your Bibles with you, we're going to be jumping a few different passages today. And again, um, you know, someone said to me last week, if you want us to read our Bibles, turn the house lights up a little bit. So please turn the house lights up a little bit, you know, because I think some people are saying they're a little bit old. And so we'll just turn the house lights up a little bit for those of you that eyesight, okay, this whole section here is like saying thank you, thank you. It's also going to be on the screen. But I want to talk today about the global church. As important as the local church is, God's plan extends beyond this building, beyond our community, or our province in our country. God's desire is to reach all the people of the world with the good news of Jesus. If the church does not have a burden for those who are far from God across the globe, then we do not have an accurate view of Christ's church and his plan for redemption. If the church is only focused inward, we do not have an accurate view of Christ's mission and the redemption that he has called all people to. So let's go back to the very beginning, the very, very beginning of scripture. Because something happened here that had an impact on all of humanity. You and I all know about sin. In the very, very beginning, sin entered the world when Adam and Eve disobeyed God. And as a result of that disobedience, there is now a need for a savior. And man is now separated from God as a result of sin. And so Jesus came and he built a bridge he paid the way. He made a way for us to now again and be in, in, in union with God. But you must do it through Jesus. So when we go all the way back to the beginning, we see that sin entered the world, and that is why we must have a mission for the church globally. Because sin did not enter the world only in the Middle East or only in North America or the continent of Africa. Sin entered humanity. So all of humanity needs a savior. We all face sin every day. We know about sin. And in the very beginning, you know, sin came into the world because of Adam and Eve. And so we are all familiar with sin because of that. But we also know that there's a way to be forgiven and to be set free from our sin. And so we need to take that message of hope and redemption and salvation, and if we've embraced it, if we know about it, we must make sure that everyone can also hear. So the church cannot begin to focus inward and say, ah, it's so good to be a Christian, so good to have a nice building, so good to wear nice clothes and hear good songs and 
have all these Christian resources that remind us of how good Jesus is and lose sight that there are literally billions, as we'll talk about in a little bit, who do not know Jesus, actually who have never heard of Jesus. In the very beginning, in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, God is speaking to the serpent. And the devil came as the serpent, and he deceived Adam and Eve. And here's what he says to him. He says, I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head, and you will strike his heel. So God is speaking here to the serpent, and he's saying, there's going to be conflict between you two. But ultimately, the serpent, you are going to lose. And we know that that happened on the cross. When Jesus died for sin, and then he rose, and he defeated sin once and for all. He defeated the devil once and for all. The devastating influence of sin would affect all of mankind. And the struggle for redemption would be between the offsprings of the woman and the offsprings of the serpent. Ultimately, this promise became a reality in the person of Jesus Christ, who crushed Satan's head by dying on the cross and rising from the dead. But here's something I don't want you to miss. This promise, as I've been saying over and over and over, this promise belongs to the human race. And I don't want to belabor that point, but I think... This is me thinking, this is an assumption. Sometimes in North America, we begin to think it's really about us. And I could be wrong, but sometimes when I talk with people and I hear myself talk to people, the focus of salvation, the focus of reaching everyone with the message of Jesus is not really that big of a priority. And when we hear about people who have never heard about Jesus, it's like, oh man, I, I really hope someone would go. And so we don't have that, that sense of, I need to go, because I think sometimes maybe we've thought, well, you know, Jesus came and died, and oh, isn't it so nice that we have that, as if though it was only for us. And we, we may have forgotten that, no, this promise was for the human race. Every single person on this earth is a, is a, can be a recipient of what Jesus has done for mankind. It is not confined to any ethnic group or geographical location. The promise of redemption is, is, a, is broad for all of humanity. God has called the local church to his plan of redemption, and his plan is global. So what does that mean for us? What does it mean for us to say we need to be part of God's plan to go global? And so here's what I want you to write down, and this is going to become a key thing for us as a church as we continue to think about missions and as we continue to be think about how we are to be involved in the ministry of reaching the world for Jesus. And that is this: we must become. Make sure I get this right. We need to be a church that would say we are a sending church. We need to have a mindset that says we are a sending church. 
Now that may not sound like all that much, but if that's not the mindset, then what we are gonna begin to do is accumulate. We are gonna accumulate gifts. We are gonna accumulate wealth. We're gonna accumulate you know, all kinds of resources. And we're gonna to begin to accumulate because hey, we, if we don't have a mindset that says no, whatever God has given us, we need to be thinking, does this belong somewhere else? Can someone else use this? Does someone else need this? If we have people who are really gifted at something, we need to be thinking, I wonder if they could be used somewhere else. I know if you're thinking like I'm thinking, especially as a leader and as a pastor, it's like man, you wanna keep all the best people for yourself. No businessman ever says, man, I got the best mechanic, I got the best welder, I've got the best manager. I think that company down the road could really use my guy. We don't do that. But the church needs to. The church needs to. If there's one thing that, the, I'm gonna say it. If there's one, I love the Salvation Army, but if there's one thing about their structure that, that frustrates me and confuses me is that every now and then they'll just take a pastor and just and they just move them you probably saw Corey Vincent just said hey I'm here for another year because they literally will just call the guy up and say yeah, pack your stuff we need you there and we're bringing someone else to replace you and and that's the way they structure and hey I'm not I, I just that, that would frustrate me if our conference would do that but I think that we can maybe learn something from that style of saying, you know what, if, if someone else needs this gift, this resource, then we need to be willing to give it. Now here's what some of you are thinking right away. When I think about, man, we need to be ascending church. Here's what's running through some of you, your minds right now. Some of you are going to be tempted to shut me out. And the first thing you're going to do is shut me out because you don't picture yourself ever being a missionary. Now some of you aren't gonna shut me out, but you're gonna sit here and feel all guilty because you're not a missionary. You're gonna be like, oh, here it is. I should be on the mission field, and I shouldn't have this and this, and, and I should be giving more, and you're gonna feel guilty. You're not necessarily gonna do anything about it, you're just gonna feel guilty that you aren't doing something about it. And then there's another group of you in this room, and this is usually a smaller group. You are on the edge of your seat right now going, I want this. I want this. I love the fact that I get emails and Facebook messages and, and, and text messages and phone calls, not as often as I would like, but sometimes you know they come in like all at once. It's like, oh, I don't know what to do with all these. But when people are like, I want to go on a mission trip, I want to serve. Where does the church need me? What you know that? What a great thing to have happen. And some of you here right now are saying, you know what? Oh, this idea of going and and going to a group of people that don't know about you, send me. I want to go. And we need all of us to be part of sending people out, and, but we must start with a mindset that says we are a sending church. If we do not develop that mindset, we can preach to each other and, and encourage each other to go, but if it's not a mindset that we say, you know, whenever we accumulate a resource, whenever we accumulate a gifted person to immediately say, is, is this church really the only one who needs this? Or could we all of a sudden send this person or send this resource or send whatever so that the message of Jesus would be spread to a place that does not yet have it? Does this mean that all of us are gonna go overseas? Of course not. But we are still all called to go. And so I wanna now flip to Romans chapter 10 
And this is a, a common verses, and you've read these many times. Romans chapter 10, verses 9. And he, and he starts off with this declaration. He says, if you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. And it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. As scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all excuse me, who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. What a beautiful promise. So it's not like, oh, let's go to such and such a place or such and such a continent or, or you know, country or whatever, group, group, um, people group, and we're like, yeah, it's hopeless here. No, this promise is for all people. And so if anyone, everyone has a chance. Everyone has been called to repentance in Jesus. The gospel is for everyone. The good news of Jesus is for all of humanity. Just because, just because just as sin entered the world and impacted and affected every single person, the gospel is for every single person. If not, that would be an absolute cruel joke. If sin could enter the world and, and affect everyone, but then the, the gospel is only for a few, that would, be, <laughs> that would not be fair at all. So with the same conviction, with the same conviction that we believe that, that sin entered the world and that sin affected and impacted every single person, with that same conviction, we must now say, therefore, we need to take Jesus to every single person. That if we are like, man, it's, yes, sin came into the world and everybody's affected by it, we need to say, therefore, I need to do my part to make sure that every single person hears about the message of Jesus. Keep in mind that Paul's passion to spread the gospel more broadly was not a personal preference. Paul wasn't a missionary because he liked being a missionary. Paul did it as something that he believed God called him. Paul did it out of obedience to Christ. Verse 14, he continues, he says, How then? Okay, he's saying that he ended by saying, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And then verse 14 says, how then? How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? Just listen to these questions and think them through as I read them. And how can they believe in the one in whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent. As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. I wanna read you something that Francis Chan wrote, so I'm just gonna look down and read it word for word. Um, I think this is beautiful. He says this, this world will not end until God's plan is complete, or until God's plan is accomplished. God sends his people out into the world to embody and to proclaim his healing, and he will not wrap up human history until this has been accomplished. If his plan has always been about redeeming people from every nation on earth, then he is not content with happy, healthy churches in our communities alone, and we shouldn't be either. Though we should long to see Christ glorified in our immediate context, we should share Paul's passion to see him glorified in every corner of the globe. 
And again, that's where this mindset needs to be. We are a sending church. See, sadly, many Christians are content to do nothing. And even many Christians are surprised to find that there are people who haven't heard about Jesus. And even more so, there are many, many Christians who are even more surprised to find that there are people groups who have never heard about Jesus. Not just the guy at your workplace, not just the neighbor down the road, not just the person that you maybe bumped into, no, people groups. What is a people group? According to Global uh, Frontier Missions, they are identified as a group of people distinguished by a distinct culture, language, or social class who lack a community of Christians able to evangelize the rest of the group of people without outside help. The only opportunity for this unreached people group is to hear about salvation through an external witness. Most missiologists believe and consider 2% of the population becoming Christians Um, followers as the tipping point at which the group is considered reached. According to um, worldometer.info, I looked this up on Friday, and as of Friday noon, how many people do you think there are on earth? According to them, as of Friday at noon, and I had to just stop because it kept climbing, we were at 7,310,000,000 380,280 people. I could have made it 81 just for fun. And then point some. Some were like close to being born. That's how many people were on earth as of Friday noon, according to this site. This may shock you. 2.9 billion of them live in unreached people groups with little or no access to the gospel of Jesus. According to the Joshua Project, there are approximately 16,500 unique people groups in the world, and 6,900 of them are considered unreached. With the vast majority, 95% of them, of these least reached or unreached people, exist in the 1040 window. And here's the other thing. So you got this large group of people living in the 1040 window, and only 10% of missionary work is done in that area. That's the, that's the hard news to swallow. But remember, we've just said we need to take on a mandate, a mindset, sorry, that says we are ascending church. And so with that, I think we need to also now wrestle with where will we send people? Do we send them to places that have already heard Or do we all of a sudden consider saying, you know what, let's send them somewhere that we have never sent to before. Now some of you, like I said, have already shut me out a long time ago. Some of you are feeling guilty, and some of you, I believe, and this is probably only a few of you, your heart's beating. Your heart's beating. Because this is what you live for. You're thinking right now, that'd be scary. I don't know what I'd do, but I wonder if I should go. 
I wonder if he's talking to me. And I think that's something we need to pray for, and we need to pray in our youth and our young adults and our young marrieds and our older people. We need to be praying, saying, God, that person, that person who right now feels their heart beating and saying, I need to go, would that person continue to feel that, and ultimately, would we all together be obedient and send them? If we don't take on this mindset that we are a sending church, when someone comes up to us and says, I really think I need to do that, we are going to be tempted to respond like, are you crazy? But if someone now comes and says something like that, we would say, you know what, I've been praying for you. I didn't know your name, but I've been praying for you. And then we begin to work together to see, is this what God wants of them? Because I believe this is something too big for an individual. This requires the church to go to these places. So Paul asked these questions 2,000 years ago that are as relevant today as they were then. Here were his questions. How will they call on him whom they have not believed? And how are they going to believe in him, in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they going to hear without someone preaching? And how are they going to preach unless someone is sent? So how do we answer these questions, church? How do we answer these? Because we cannot become internal focused. So we need, we need to wrestle with these questions. Technically, the board of elders, the mission team, we as a congregation, we need to constantly wrestling with these questions. What do we do with these questions that Paul is raising here? So I think the first thing I want to say to this is, Going back to what I've already said, we need to become, have a mindset that says we are ascending church. I really think that for all of us, that's where it's going to start. So at the end of the year, you need to be looking at the report book and saying, hmm, this doesn't seem to model maybe this idea that we're ascending church. And I'm not saying that we're going to send people right away because this has to be something that is led by God. You don't force his hand and you don't force his timing. But we need to have a mindset that says, if there is someone in our midst that wants to go and needs to go and we feel that this is what God has laid on their heart and on our heart, we must send you. We don't know how, but God does. So that's the mindset that we must start with. The second thing that I believe we must do is we need to know that every Christian, every Christian is is to be involved in spreading the gospel around the world. No one is off the hook. Now, I know what some of you are immediately going to attempt to do. You're going to say something like this. Well, we aren't all called to go overseas, to which I would respond to you this way. Yes, you're right, but how do you know you're not? If we just immediately dismiss it and say, oh, it's not me, how do you know? Is it just your preference? Is it just something you've convinced yourself of? Is it fear? Or has God literally said to you and, and revealed to you, you need to stay here to work here to, um, to um, provide for those who go? I'm just cautioning that we don't dismiss it too quickly just because we assume it's not me. And the third thing that we need to do, we need to answer these questions with urgency. We need to do all of this with urgency. Because when we don't, and many people, many churches, 
have lost the urgency of reaching those who do not know Christ. So we need to send them. And we need to have that on our hearts. It needs to be urgent. We need to train and we need to equip. Here's maybe a great way to look at it. If your child was in danger of death and you needed to raise $200,000, that would be urgent. That would be urgent and you would go to town. And my guess is you would raise $200,000. Somehow. Somehow. Maybe you have to rob a bank. <laughs> Somehow you would raise that money. Why? Because it's urgent. It's my child. I have to raise this money. So we as a church, how do we answer these questions? We have to have a mindset that says that we are a sending church and we need to think that every one of us is part of this. This is not just for some people and the rest of us can kick our feet up and say, well, I'm glad someone's doing it. We need to all consider how we are involved in spreading the message of Jesus. And then the third, and the third thing is we need to do it with urgency. This doesn't have time. This needs to be done. Because these people need to hear Jesus. Here's a beautiful picture. Revelation chapter 7, verse 9. Revelation chapter 7, verse 9. After this, John writing, the apostle John who was with Jesus, and he had a glimpse of what's to come. He says, after this, I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count. From every nation every tribe, people, and language standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands, and they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. You see, you get a glimpse here of what's to come. Every nation, every tribe, every people will one day be before God. So let's, get part, let's be part of it. Let's do all that we can to reach those who do not have a relationship yet with Jesus. We need to do that within our community, and we need to do that around the world. God's plan for our future ought to affect us in the way that we think and the way that we live. Does the church in China matter to us? Of course it does, or it needs to. Does the persecution that's taking place in Iraq and, and those kind of places, does it matter to us? It should. Is the church you know, as distant and as unfamiliar maybe as the churches in India and Papua New Guinea and China and Turkey, Iraq, Iran, Chile, Sudan, Pakistan, and the list goes on, as distant and unfamiliar as those churches may be to us, they are brothers and sisters in Christ. And there are many brothers and sisters in Christ that still, that the future brothers and sisters in Christ that have not yet been reached. And so I'm asking you as a church, how will we answer these questions? Let's become a church that is big on reaching the local community Let's become a local church that loves one another, has compassion for one another, that will sacrifice for one another, but never at the expense of only focusing on ourselves. 
Let's take all that God is doing in our midst and let's ask ourselves, who else needs this? Let me invite the worship team to come up. And I want to pray for all of us today as we wrestle with these questions and, and with this thought because, again, the tempting thing, the tempting thing for us to do is, is to somehow just cue this all out and shut it down and, and just say, not me, not me. I remember hearing a speaker one time, he talked about uh, missionaries and, and something he said that really spoke to me was this. He says, I've never met a missionary who felt called to missions. Well, that raised my eyebrows because I'm like, whoa, what in the world? He says, every missionary that I've met who really is passionate about missions is here simply out of obedience. So I think we can all of a sudden say, you know what, unless God somehow sends a lightning bolt and it burns a tree down or something like that, well, that will be my sign. And yet we have a sign. Scripture is filled with commands to go and to love. So don't dismiss it too quick that it's not you. And as a church, I got no control over the budget. But as a church, man, if the budget hurts because we are sending people, well, praise God. Praise God. Because like you, I want to stand in heaven one day and I want to meet people that aren't just white. Because we were part of reaching all kinds of people. You guys aren't going to have much time for singing, I'm sorry. We need to go. And we need to send. And it's urgent. When you hear about Nepal, 2,000 people dead as of this morning, and maybe more by now. Is it possible that none of them knew Jesus? Civil war. In these countries where thousands and thousands are slaughtered over the years? Is it possible that in those areas nobody knew Jesus and they're all dead without Christ? We need to go. We need to send. And it's urgent. It's urgent. Let's pray. So Father God, I pray that you would now just continue to move in our hearts. And Holy Spirit, I don't, I sense that you need a response, but it's not clear. So Holy Spirit, we just want to give you time as the band's just up here and they're just going to stay standing here and just pray together for these people. So Holy Spirit, would you would you touch hearts right now? Would you just convict? Would you open eyes to the stubborn person who said no, 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 no? Would you open their eyes to seeing, yeah, yes, I need to be the one. I need to be the one. Would you lead our hearts? Lord, we've seen you move 
through multiple of people at the same time. And so we pray now that you would move among all of us at the same time, that our mindset, we know that you can change the hearts of many people. So I pray right now that you would move within all of our hearts, that our mindset would be such that says we must send people to go to where you have called them. So God, I pray, I pray that we would be obedient. So I'm gonna give you a moment, just you and God. This isn't rehearsed, just you and God right now. Ask him this question. Ask him, is he speaking to me? Is he speaking to me? Come on, that's the way we start all other conversations with people. Hey, are you talking about me? We need to do this with God. Maybe this is the beginning of a journey. Maybe it's the affirmation of a journey. But we need to stop right now and say, God, are you talking to me? Is this, am I the one who's supposed to go? So Lord, we pray for your leading. We pray for your guidance. We don't want to just feel guilt. We don't want to just feel condemned. We want to be inspired because we know that one day every tribe, every tongue, every people will stand before the throne. So we want to be part of reaching those people. And we thank you for what you'll do. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen. We're going to leave it there. So thank you so much. You guys look wonderful here on stage. Did a great job coming up, all that. But God bless you. And let's share this and let's spread it. Have a great day.